Welcome to the very first episode of Pioneers vs Pretenders. I'm your host, Joe Human. And this morning I'm speaking to the most influential woman in Africa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so blessed. <laughs> hey Farah, how are you? I'm good and you for the for the South region, hey, for the South Africa. For, for the South, South Africa, region. Yeah. Okay, cool. Remember, the most influential woman in the South. Aight, aight, aight. Okay. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for making it. Thank you for having me. Through all my dramas, I have to tell people, like, I've just been yeah. having car drama after car drama. Besides car drama, like, I've been trying to get you on the show for two years now. <laughs> I've been busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it, though. Um, and, yeah, so I read that you, in your childhood, moved to Belgium. Did you learn some French? Um, yeah, but Belgium is a very Flemish country. They speak Flemish. I shouldn't say very Flemish. They speak <laughs> Flemish. Um, so uh, getting by with Afrikaans really helped there, to be honest. Really helped. Because Flemish and Dutch are very similar, mm. and it's very similar to Afrikaans. So it really helped um, us get by. Plus, we went to an international school, which was which we spoke English at, which helped really helped. Um, but I can still I still read French better now mm. than I can actually understand it or speak it wow. but it wasn't a language that i i at the time yes and then when we moved to to england we didn't use it anymore and i was still young so i just didn't bother that would have been very cool because like we would have legit had this whole podcast really? in french oh wow and like have subtitles or it, something. you know it's it's definitely else. a language that i'd like to relearn hmm. um purely because it's spoken so wi- widely in the world that in spanish people think english is the most spoken language but it's actually not um so it it would be nice to learn french again should i hmm. say um i think it'll really help me in my travels that's that's really proper and like i'm very interested in your childhood because i feel like there's so much that influenced that space and pushed you into what and who you've become right now you know so i really like us to like just dig a little bit deeper into we can have a psychology session yeah maybe maybe i should be like a (laughs) influential psychologist you know or something like that (laughs) but we can go there it's all right but yeah um Look, there is no way we can mention FAR without mentioning PR. You know, I mean, you have revolutionized the PR space in Africa. You have. Oh, wow. You have, you know. And, um, well, I guess this is also a conversation I was having with a friend where I said, you know, like, we're so focused on working in our businesses and on our businesses sometimes that we don't even notice the moves that we're making because Mm -hmm. we have a bigger picture of where we actually want to be. Yeah. So, so so when someone comes and says, wow, this is a really big move. This is great for you. You you, you kind of like belittle it because you have a bigger picture of where you want to be. And I guess that's where that... Yeah. <laughs> I think I think also, you know, um, for me, I, I, I still have so many people that I look up to and so many people and, and so many things I still want to do. Um, and, you know, everything that I've done it's really been just trying to take that next step. Um, so when people say things like that, um, I, I really don't know how to take it because for me, it's one, it was really hard to get there and I never mm. thought I'd get there. So I'm just so grateful that I got there. Never mind whether somebody recognizes it or not. I'm just really grateful that I got there and I'm really grateful that I got to experience that. Um, and just you, you, 
I don't know. I'm not. I've never been a person that can really take compliments. <laughs> I know it's so hard, but I, I think it's also, you know, it's just that thing of it's it's. I was brought up in a household where it was all about you must work hard. Mm. If you want to achieve something, you must work hard for it. So it wasn't about the compliments. It was about making sure that you worked hard and you achieved something and, and you made something of your life. Um, and I think that's where that really comes from. So like how, how did you get into PR? Like what, what did you notice in the African space and the industry where you are like, you know what, I can actually change this narrative. I can influence this space. Yeah. And like, this is what I can do. I mean, sorry, I read where uh, somewhere that you started your business with a thousand rand. Yeah. And like thinking of the economy that we're in right now. It's, yeah, it was it's, different. It's nothing. <laughs> like, it's literally nothing. Like, I cannot think about... I mean, look, registration is already like, what, 500 bucks? So that's yeah. like half of the money gone. No, know? registration is actually 175 rand. If you go to Cipro and you do that by yourself, it's actually 175 it? rand. It's you, not that if, expensive. If you go through the bank, then it's like... Yeah, of course. Yeah. But just for people who have the time mm. and want to save themselves that money, it yes, it can. It can fluctuate. You can pay 1,000 rand for it, you know, uh, if you do it through an agent and someone else does the legwork for mm. you and everything else. But you can save money. But I get where you're coming from. <laughs> so what, why was the process? Like, I want to know from that 1K. Yeah. What was your decision? What did you do? Where did you go? How did you start establishing this beautiful PR firm? I just knew that I was tired of working for a boss. Mm. I felt like I had all these ideas. But at that time, and you need to understand this is 2007, 2008. Well, from 2006 till 2008, I, I was working for people and for, well, for companies um, who didn't see the bigger picture outside of, of your vision kind of thing. It was like, this is how PR works. I mean, I was working with people that had worked in PR from the time you know, you still used to fax a press release um, and still have to photocopy it or and put it in an envelope and send it off and that was the press release. I, I had been working with, with people who still had that kind of mentality that even though they had, in 2008, had the, um, maybe social media wasn't as big, but they had the technology in terms of emails and everything else and, and getting the information out, but they just didn't want to recognize the change and it was very frustrating. I mean, for me to have all these creative ideas and want to do all these things that are so out of the box, which are now the norm for mm. us, um, and have to do all of that and be so frustrated. And I realized that at some point I was really not going to handle this at all. And I, I you know, the last person I worked for, um, I kind of just felt like I was just pushing paper. I was felt like I was sending emails, putting together, you know, um, press books. I, I didn't feel like I was doing anything, and and I was earning twelve thousand rand a month. I had a daughter. I wanted more. I mm. wanted so much more. And 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 I know people don't believe me when I say this, but I I love luxury. Like I love luxury, <laughs> and doesn't? I will pay for luxury. But I I love shoes. Like I am a shoe addict, <laughs> right? So for me, it was always, my life was always going to be so I could live that luxury. Mm. Whether someone, you know, was there or not, I wanted to be able to make sure that I could live 
in that luxury by myself. And I just always wanted to put myself in that position of financial freedom where I could buy any shoes I wanted. Like literally, that was my aim, to buy the shoes that I wanted. Uh, and I wasn't doing that on 12,000 rand a month. You know, I had a car to pay for. I had a daughter. I had rent. I, I had, I had, I had, I had lots of bills. Um, somehow, you know, 12,000 rand was just getting me by then. And I didn't really have anything left over at the end of the month. And, and I was, what, 29 at the time? And I was like, I'm not going to do this. Like, I am not living this life for the rest of my life. I'm 29 years old. I want so much more from my life. And the only way I'm really going to get it is I have two options. You know, I can marry a rich man. I can go work for the money. I had already married a rich man. And now that I divorced, I had done that already. Um, and I realized that I really just wanted to be financially free by myself. Um, and it didn't help me that... You know, at that time, there were so few women in PR, so few women that owned PR companies. Mm. There were a lot of women in PR that were the admin assistants or they were the account managers, but they were never the account directors. And if they were, it was unusual at that time. We generally didn't have a lot of women in PR 10 years ago um, compared to what we have now. And and. Definitely, the companies were not owned by women at all. Like, they were the people that were there running things, making sure the money was being made, but they were never the final decision makers, mm. which was worrying for me because I always felt like, how far can I actually go no matter who I work for? Um, and I realized at that time, hey, I, I need to do this by myself. So I registered the company and it cost me 589 Rand because I was doing a um i was i went through an agent as well um and it cost me because i didn't know at the time about registering a business or anything else so it was 589 rand and then i took the rest of the money and my sister's partner at the time um she no yeah he did like this little logo thing for me mm. um and it didn't cost me anything so it was free so african stars logo what it is now it was not that originally <laughs> yeah. it was completely different uh it actually looked like i owned a construction company it was like <laughs> one of those but it was free and then i took the rest of the money from the thousand rent and i made business cards and i always say you know they were really really shitty business cards really shitty but they were mine mm. and they had my details and i felt very proud of them and and that's how African Star started. I just, yeah, I was tired. I was like, I how, need to do this for myself. How important was just, you know, having that belief in yourself to say, look, I don't have everything that I need right now, but I'm going to start small. You know, I'm going to get a business card. I'm going to get a logo yeah. and I'm going to just push my business. Um, You know, it was really important for me to have mental willpower. Um, I was and still am a huge fan of of Rhonda Birds and her books like The Secret and The Magic and The Power. I, I have read all of them. And and not a lot of people believe in that, but for me it's something that I hold close to my heart because it really gave me the self-belief that I needed in myself when nobody else believed in me. Um, I knew that it was only going to come from me and that was something that was really, um, that was tough. Because when you have no one believing in you, it's, it's, 
oh it damages you as a person hey like it really really gets to you because you want everybody to see the same vision that you see in you you want everyone to see how amazing this thing is that's in your head that you can't show them yet but it's in your head um and you know it's going to come to fruition but nobody believes in you yeah. and and that was a lot for me like that was like from an emotional point of view psychologically as well it really ate at me for a long time that I, the people that i thought would believe in me didn't um and and it broke i mean i was dating at the time he didn't believe in me he ended up leaving me telling me to go get a job and this was never going to work and that crushes you especially when it comes from somebody that you love yeah. um so that was tough you know that was really tough i mean i'm grateful now i mean he works at a 9 to 5 job i own my business so I mean, that's really nice now <laughs> looking back you know what i mean but at the time it can crush you and then i mean you know you you really got to have that thing inside of you that makes sure that you never give up because mm. it's hard and it's tough like it's tough i know people say you know let me tell you something starting a business is the easiest thing you are ever going to do in your whole life yeah. maintaining that business oh however is what can kill you mm. and 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 that i realized and, and someone told me that when i started this business and i never believed them until you know i would literally i'm not a crier for anything I don't really cry um if if i cry you must know that something is really got to my mm. soul and and gosh i cried hey the first few years of this business oh my gosh what i cried what would you say what would you say it takes to maintain a business <sighs> to maintain a business you need a plan and i think that's what a lot of people don't go in with they they start this business and they've got a logo and then they own the name and they have an email address and a website and i think they constitute that as as having a business and that's nothing mm. that's none of the hard work none of your your very um your lower vibrational efforts are going into those things the stuff that really is it's the networking it's mm. bringing in money it's making sure your staff are paid it's making sure that the sars is paid it's making sure that you can maintain a business even if this client leaves you yeah. you know it's it's all of those things and that's really tough because sometimes you can't i mean you, we have big businesses like in dalo media that are um, well disney makes in its closing yeah. down and and that's you know it's sad for for people like me to see things like that not not just from a pr perspective but you know we we look up to people like mm, me that have definitely. paved the way for the rest of us to to come and 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 so it's it's not that you even look at it and say that she failed because she didn't she did something amazing mm. she laid the foundation for so many of us to be on that path to get there um and and i never look at it as a failure now because she achieved so much and through that she encouraged all of us and it's definitely not the last we're going to hear from her she just has a different path now that's mm. it um but they definitely ran its course with what she did so you know maintaining a business it's tough but you have to understand that it takes a lot from you as a person and understanding and asking for help mm. and knowing that pride doesn't um doesn't work either. You have to if you're in trouble ask for help. If you need money go and ask for a loan. If you need to understand something in business go and ask what it means. Google it. Something going get onto mm. a business course. I think that's what we as people don't do 
Um, and I didn't do that for a while. Also in the beginning of my business, I was so full of pride that I didn't want to ask anyone. And I had to learn that asking for help is one of the most amazing things mm. that you can do because it can be the difference between you, you know, losing your dream and not losing your dream. Mm. How has the rise of like the digital age influenced the PR space? Would you say it, it has helped PR evolve and grow? Or would you say it has hurt PR in a way? I would say both sides. I'd say it hurt. it's hurt PR in a way because now suddenly everybody thinks anyone with a social media account can be a publicist and just mm. put out information, mm. which is not, you know, PR is more than just public relations. It's publicity. And it's making sure that the, the, the right campaign, the right message, the way to deal with anything, because even though we may be moving from a more traditional space of PR to a digital space of PR, we need to understand that we are still connecting to human emotion. And, and you know, whether you are emailing someone a press release or whether you're putting it out on Instagram, um, you still need to make sure that the journalist who's picking that up has an interest in that story, there's an angle for them. So even though you may just put something out and hope it goes viral, it doesn't always work that way. So you still, I mean, you still have to have a personal relationship with your media. We still, you know, we still send out press releases or we still... And, and then we still make sure that we phone this magazine and say, okay, this is the angle that we think will work for you guys. Mm. Then we go to another media house and say, this is the angle that will work for you guys and make sure we get the maximum um, coverage out of everything. And everybody has a different angle for a story while still getting the main core message across. Mm. And, and, and that's what makes you a publicist. Um, not having a famous friend and, you know, putting out a what you think is a press release mm. so it there is a lot of training that goes into it it's definitely not marketing um so it's not an advertisement it's really about making sure that your the way you publicize something is um the best way for your client and that represents them in the best way should mm. i say you've just mentioned how um you know people that would have social media accounts or be able to access this um spaces now think that they are publicists you know and how now this has created so much noise in the industry and for me it seems like the volume just keeps being cranked up yeah how how does one stay authentic i think um you know you always see the difference between people's work that's what it's always about your work it's never about saying I'm a publicist with a degree. I'm a publicist with a diploma. I've I've had training. Mm. It's never about that because you can have all the training in the world and you can still be a crap publicist. Yeah. Um, it really is about, you know, you defining your career and how you put that across. And and ultimately when we when we look at things like that, um, you can always tell because the the fly by nights they never last. Mm. They're here for a couple of gigs, but they never last. Um and you can tell, you know, who would come in as a fly-by-night, but think, wait, I actually don't know. And then go and look for the information or get help or study the subject. At least they make an effort to try and be in the industry authentically. Um, and they try and learn as much as possible. And then they get the respect from the older people in the industry or, the, you know, the what they would call the PR mm. gurus, the people that have been around for a long time. Um and, and that's the difference. That really is the difference because authentically, 
in any industry, you're going to show your ass if you don't know what's going on. True. Whether you're a photographer, publicist, writer, it doesn't matter. You will never be able to pull that off if you don't actually have the talent. It's mm. only going to last so long. How do small businesses on a very like low scale as they as they you know climbing up the yeah. ladder how do they utilize pr how do they get into that space so that their businesses can get the right kind of publicity to actually help them grow i think the one advantage many businesses have now is the digital space mm. um, and you have to look at how you can um, use that space in the least or the most cost-effective way as possible. So you do have your, your, your platforms. You've got Instagram, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've, you've got your social media side. Uh, what people need to realize is that you can't just put out information on social media if there's no personal engagement with somebody because it's like an ad you slap on next to the highway and hope that someone... You literally have, I think it's something like four seconds or something i'm not quite sure marketing yeah. people please don't blast five, me for this four, four or five seconds yeah. to get someone's attention on a billboard on the side of a highway it's kind of the same thing with pr because from a traditional point of view yeah. okay so you you see a newspaper magazine if you're flicking through it unless the headline is catchy or the picture or something mm. in there you're not gonna read sure. okay so you same thing with social media. If you're scrolling and there's nothing there that says, that speaks to me, mm. uh, you, you're not going to catch it. So find engaging ways to speak to your clientele. Find ways that are not as conventional as everyone else, just putting out an ad or putting out a promo code or just trying to get influencers. Because if you are trying to get influencers, please try and get authentic influencers, you know, <laughs> who actually like the product, use the product, and it mm. looks genuine rather than people who just have a high number of following. Yeah. I think that's a whole conversation, another it's conversation whole, anyway. Oh my gosh, I wish we could dive into that. <laughs> I think we should have another part of this podcast. So I think from for, for businesses generally, you know, look. Also, advertise on these social media platforms. They aren't as expensive as you think. I think it's about 60 Rand or something mm -hmm. um, for an ad on Instagram, depending on how long it's there and the target audience that you look for. Go and make sure you use your website. Make sure you have an interactive website that's that people want to use, that looks good, that that people actually want to interact with. Because these days, you can't... Visuals are everywhere. Now it's about how do you interact? Mm. How do you make someone feel? Be because social media is such a platform that, that is so engaging, now it's become a platform of how do I feel? How, what does this make me mm. feel? Why do you think people are always arguing on here? Why do you think people always have a different opinion, even if they don't really have a different yeah. opinion? Because it's all about how we feel these days. So now we need to look at how are we making people feel rather than what are we making them mm. see? We can't quickly. We can't. We cannot mention social media without mentioning something that is very critical, which mm -hmm. is content. Yes. Where do we find content? How do we create it? Where do we go to create things that can exist? Okay, content for me is always something that you, as a person, need to create because content cannot be generic. Content has to be again personal. Mm. If you have somebody that. Um, is promoting um, swimsuits. We don't want to see you in a swimsuit all the time. We want to see your swimsuit product however. 
in a different setting, mm. maybe on someone else, maybe in a different environment. Content creation is all, it's, it's that saying beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm. So you as a content creator need, again, to understand who is your audience? What are they looking for from you? They don't want the same old boring things. They want to be able to interact with you. How do I create content in order to do all of those things? What kind of colors do people like? What places do they want to see? If you're a travel blogger, you need to travel. You need to start getting in with, you know, all these agencies that will send you overseas. But you also need to make sure that you're not just taking pictures of the beach and the yeah. pretty little place that you're staying. It needs to be about the culture there. It needs to be about what you can do. It needs to be about, you know, have a, have a niche. Every country you go to, you compare the price of a Coke can in every country and that's your thing that you post for every country that you go to. It's, it's about what's you, what, what makes it unique to you. So content creation is something I always tell people. It's, it's personal to you. It's got, it's generic. It's generic platforms are only going to take you so far. If you can get a photographer, if you can afford it, get a photographer. Make sure that when you're going interesting places, this person is coming with you because you might not always catch the things that a photographer's eye will catch. Sure. You know, things like that. And, and the more professional the pictures, obviously, the more aesthetic your, your content looks, which is always what people are trying to look at. I mean, if you look at um, Kefilwe, you know, she, she, she really did a huge rebrand of, of who she was and the content that she put on her Instagram. And not only have her followers risen, but the respect in the industry has really risen for her. And she's maintained this, this level of respect amongst the luxury brands, especially. Mm. And, you know, she's able to do so much with that because of the content that she creates. For me, she's one of the best content creators we have amongst influencers. Her, Sarah Langa, they do well in terms of what they do when it comes to an aesthetic point of view. Um, and that's what we want to see. We want to see pretty pictures. We want to see you living this great, you know, we all live to an aspirant lifestyle. We all live to want to be and travel all these places or be all these people or wear all the nice clothes. And that's exactly what they're paid for. How do we monetize that? How do we monetize those beautiful pictures, that great experience? How do we make money out of that? Um, you have to attract brands. Brands also, however, need to stop looking at just the high number of followers that an influencer has. I mean, we have, we have influencers, we have micro-influencers, we have macro-influencers. Someone with two... I, I, I remember um, speaking to a marketing manager last year and she did a, a campaign... Um, I think with somebody who had 20,000 followers and then the same campaign, they also got a macro influencer on. And I think this person had something like 2000 or something followers. They, they each got a promo code for a product and they monitored this over a period of three months. And the person with 20,000 followers didn't bring in one sale, but the person with mm -hmm. 2,900 followers, I think it was, and they brought in 20 sales. Wow. So again, it's, we as brand uh, managers, they need to start looking at how authentic are you to your followers rather than how many numbers, numbers do you yeah. specifically have. Yes. Big numbers are always great. You're always going to peel up, have a big attraction mm. on anything. Uh, and we must never outrule our influencers because they do hold a lot of traction in, in campaigns that are executed really well. Yeah. Um, our macro influencers, however, are speaking, they're the everyday people yes. speaking to the everyday people. people um, you know, to people who have maybe 200 followers and they're sitting on 2009, which is a, is a lot to somebody who's just coming into the Twitter game, you know. 
or even Instagram or wherever it is. And you know, you look at that and they, they could be more authentic in terms of they really do. Somebody who knows them out of those 2000 people really knows really, that they will yeah. use this product. Mm. And if they say that it is like that, then it is like that. And, and that's what we've got to remember from a brand manager point of view. I, I urge all brand managers to really start looking at how we how you can change the face of your brand by using influences that are authentic to your brand regardless of followers yeah. um, and then to the influencers whether you're a macro influencer a micro influencer or an influencer I really urge you to start creating content that is authentic to you you will make more money mm. turning that into money is how um, you also present yourself a lot of people take free product in because of that you know a brand manager will say well so and so took it exactly. free then you must take it free why must I pay you you know, I, I think this is something as a as a, as the inf I wish there was a union for influencers and someone could speak <laughs> for for all of them. I think we and should start. Yeah, one. we should definitely start one, <laughs> and and just say you know you have to pay all influencers. I also feel with the new regulations that have come in, in terms of now having to put the hashtag ad on or sponsored, I really do feel like people should be paid for that. I don't feel like you should just give people product anymore. Mm. Um, if you can't, you can't. And there's a lot of people who, you know, have brands that are just coming out and they really can't pay. But I think the older brands, they need to look at, listen, you know, uh, we will pay you this, but we're going to have a campaign with you for this amount of time. Then it's not two weeks and it looks fake. It's yeah. a six-month campaign that looks very authentic. And this person has lived and breathed this, this product for mm. six months. And it looks so much more authentic to everybody. Um but making money from it, it's really a case of you need to, one, tell brands you want to be paid and not accept free things. Um, and two, you also have to make sure that, that you are authentic within yourself, that you are portraying the product in the best way you can That from your point of view, your lifestyle, your... Um, your image, mm. should I say. Because there is money to be made out there and sure. influences around the world are killing it i mean that's all they are doing i mean look at somebody like kylie jenner she's gonna pay a million dollars a post a million dollars a post i mean <laughs> i could only dream i wish just one post <laughs> but who's to say that our influences are not worth it who's mm. to say our influences shouldn't be getting that money why shouldn't we be thinking that we are less than a Kylie Jenner when we are influencing an entire continent mm. of people to buy clothes, drinks, whatever it is that you, you, you're trying to do, especially if you're on a continental level? Um, so, yes, let's start aspiring to, to make that kind of money, to invoice those kind of checks, because mm. why shouldn't we? It's been an awesome conversation. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you um, for having me. Thank you to all our listeners and we'll see you guys on the next episode. I'm your host, Joe Human, and we are out.